So we're, we're back into the seven letters of the seven churches that we find in the book of Revelation. Uh, so we're looking at Revelation 3, 7 through 13. Uh, you can find the words on the screen behind me, or if you've got them with you, you can follow along uh, that way before we read. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful for this, this, uh, this book, grateful for your word, the Bible, we're grateful for the presence of you, Spirit, here in us, among us, so that when we, so when we read these words, these letters, these stories, this, think about the narrative that we find here in the Bible, that somehow you speak to us, and somehow your word changes us even if it's just a little. And so we come with that expectation. We ask that you would surprise us, help us see something we never saw before, and make us more like Jesus. Amen. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true who holds the key of David. Who holds the key of David. Huh. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Jesus says, I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We will go that far. The key the key. There's doors and keys and David. So we're talking about maybe a kingdom because David was a king and it was promised that someone in the line of David would sit on the throne forever. So maybe we're talking about kingdoms and doors and things that'll be open. He says, we have a crown? We, what? It's like you're royalty. That's who you are. You belong to the king. You, all of you, you're all royalty. There's so much good stuff in here. In some ways, this is one of my favorite letters, if not my favorite letter. Notice in the letter, it didn't say what it said in some of the other letters. Nevertheless, I have this against you, Jesus is saying. Not in this letter. This one's pure encouragement. This one is pure, you can do it. Maybe that's why I love this letter so much, because it's just, mm, it makes me feel so good. We'll get to it. First, I have to open what I was going to say here. Okay, so at the beginning of the letter, it says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, again, 
we've been doing this. This is our sixth one. So by, by now we've got the, we've got the, we know what we're doing. We've got another city, another place in Asia Minor, Philadelphia. So we ask ourselves some very important questions. Is there anything about the city, the culture of Philadelphia, the story of Philadelphia that might, that might help us as we read and walk through this letter? That might help it, help it pop, as I've said. Are we going to learn anything that's going to help it pop? Yeah, we will. There's going to be some sizzle in here. So first, Philadelphia was situated on the eastern end of a, of a broad valley along the riverbanks of a river called Kogamis. I think that's how you say it. I'm not sure how you say it. Even Google didn't tell me how you could say it. But I think it's Kogamis. Maybe it's Kogamis or maybe Kogamis. I don't know. Uh, but Kogamis. Philadelphia was a reasonably wealthy city for two primary reasons. First, as it sat on, along the banks of a river, that means that the land on which it was situated was relatively fertile. So it was wealthy because of, of agriculture and industry. Secondly, Philadelphia was also wealthy uh, because it brought to it lots and lots of visitors, right? So we've got a destination town. We've got a travel town. People go to, we got a tourist destination here in the city of Philadelphia. So they had people coming from all other sorts of, all other parts of Asia Minor to Philadelphia. Why were there lots and lots of people coming to Philadelphia? That is such a great question. I'm so glad you asked. Here's why. So Philadelphia, so the Roman Empire was known for its extensive system of roads. Have you heard this before? Back in middle school and high school, you learned in history and you learned about the Romans' road, and then we kind of took that Romans' road idea and made it the path to salvation through Romans because we're super clever. But anyway, they're, they're known for their extensive system of roads, right? So Philadelphia was at the juncture of several different trade routes that led to the east. As I'm looking at a map, it's the east is over there, You're, it's this way, right? So you have all these people passing through, and it was located on, on one of the most important highways in the ancient world, right? It was the highway that led from Europe to the east. So Rome saw Philadelphia as like this very strategic location. It was the city through which the Roman Empire was going to Romanize the world because this is what empires do. We try to make the rest of the world exactly like us. Still true today, it was true back then. It was the city through which the empire was going to take its, uh, its Roman culture, its Greek language, all its, all its religious ideas and spread it, sort of the, spread the gospel of the Roman empire and make the whole world like Rome. Right? And it would happen through this very strategic location of Philadelphia because it was, the, it was the place through which people would go from Europe to the east. Right, And for that reason, the city of Philadelphia was given the nickname the Gateway, or we could say the Doorway ooh, to the East. It was the place that gave that gave the Roman Empire the opportunity to expand their empire, the gateway, the doorway to the east. I think we got some sizzle here, right? Let's read, let's read verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, 
right. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. He had a key. What do you open with keys? You open doors. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can, can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. A little sizzle right there. So Jesus is essentially saying to this little church in Philadelphia, you think Rome has power? You think Caesar has power? Uh-uh, I have power. I am the one who is holy and true, and I have keys keys that open doors. You think Rome opens doors? You think Rome is going to transform the world? Nope, not true. I open doors and no one can shut them. See, I have opened a door for you that no one can shut. Oh, that's so good. So Jesus is essentially saying this, I think. I've opened doors for you. And he's inviting his followers in Philadelphia to walk through the door. He's giving them the opportunity to work with God in making this world the kind of world that God really wants the world to be. He's saying that Philadelphia isn't the city through which the Roman Empire is going to make the whole world like Rome. No, 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 no. He's saying that Philadelphia is the doorway through which his followers will walk in order to work with God in making the world more like God's kingdom. How cool is that? And what is God's kingdom like? That's a good question. What is God's kingdom like? It's, it's all about believing the right things, not misbehaving, making sure that, that the right people are out and the right people are in, and winning arguments on Facebook because we're smarter than everybody else because we've been given all truth. Wait. Okay. Okay, I got you. I'm being told that's not true. Um, sometimes the Spirit talks to me that way. It's weird, I know. Um, what is the kingdom about? What is the, how do we find out what the kingdom is about? Well, we read the stories about Jesus in the Bible. We call the Gospels. And we, we think about the things that He said about the kingdom of God. And we look at the ways in which Jesus embodied the kingdom of God, and we come up with our answer. So I'm going to give you a little short, shorthand, some of the high points of what the kingdom is all about. You don't take my word for it. Go back and read the stories about Jesus. We call the Gospels because you're smart and you can think for yourselves, right? But here's what I think are some of the high points. This is what the kingdom is all about. It's about grace. It's about love. It's about healing. It's about it's about forgiveness, where the, where, where the way up is down, where the last will be first. Not the first will be first, but the last will be first, where humble service and self-giving love are the way and in including the people in this world that have been pushed aside and marginalized, even if it means we have to break some rules to do it. That's what the kingdom's all about, Right? He's inviting them to live like that right here, right now, in the, midi of, in the middle of the city of Philadelphia, or in our case, in the, midi of, in the middle of the city of Ames, right here. Jesus opens doors and invites us to walk through them. So when I think about this, and when I was thinking about this, I think most of us make our way through life doing our best to open our own doors, to find doors that we can open. We're taught to make a way for ourselves. 
This is the world that we live in. If there's something we want, what do we do? We just go get it. We work hard and we go get it. You're your own person. If you want something, go get it. Reach for it. And so we're always looking for these doors that we can open. We're always looking for the next level of success, the next thing to get involved with that will sort of enhance our station in life, our reputation. Right? We're always looking for doors to open ourselves. We're always looking to go after it, get it, go for it. And I wonder, in our constant pursuit of doors for ourselves to open, I wonder how many doors we miss that are opened for us already because we're looking at the wrong doors. How many opportunities to be a representative of Jesus in this world do we miss every day simply because we're not looking for the right kinds of doors? doors that he's already opened for us. So think about your life and think about the things of the kingdom and put those two things together. Think about your life and think about what the kingdom's all about, grace and love and healing and forgiveness and reconciliation, where the way up is down, where the last are first, not the first are first, where self sacrifice and self-giving love and welcoming those who've been pushed aside. All of those things are front and center. Think about that, your life and those things. Think about your, your relationship. Is there anyone you need to go to to ask for forgiveness? Is there anyone you need to go to and offer forgiveness? Is there a relationship that you can think about right now, bring it to mind, that needs some reconciliation? Is there anyone you need to extend a hand of grace? Is there someone in your life that you can serve? Is there anyone in your life that you just need to reach out to because you haven't in a really long time? Or is there anyone on the margins of society at your workplace, in your neighborhood that you can just welcome and include? How many open doors are there in your life right now? Real chances to be representatives of Jesus that you're either not seeing or just don't want to walk through right now. What about us? For us as a community of Jesus people, what are the open doors for us? Because we trust and believe that Jesus is out there opening doors for us too as a community. Right, so when we learned a few months ago that there's a whole bunch of people in the city of Ames who don't have a place to live, who are homeless, and haven't been given the, the sort of upbringing and tools to learn what it takes to upkeep a regular residence on a permanent basis, when we learn that, we don't see that as a barrier. We see that as an open door. And so we walk through it and we partner with people like the Bridge Home who are already doing amazing work and we, we give them money and help them financially and we work alongside them and we clean apartments and duplexes and we do yard work to make sure that the people who don't have homes finally have a place to stay where they feel like they've been treated with the kind of dignity that every human being deserves. Oh, that is so good. Right now, I think a major open door for us as a community, for us as a little church, is to be a place of hospitality, is to be a place where everyone can come and belong. Right? Because that's not, our it's not our reputation as Jesus people, right? We want to exclude people and make sure the wrong people don't. Well, what if we decided, you know what? We want to make sure that this is a hospitable place, a place where people can bring their, their thoughts 
their doubts, their wonderings, their fears, the place where they don't have to believe certain things in order to belong here. They're just welcomed because the love of God is greater and deeper and wider than any of us have ever imagined. And by the way, a hospitable place, it isn't, hospitality isn't done by a team of people in churches. It's a culture. It's something that all of us are invited into. So when someone walks in this door and you don't recognize them, you walk up to them and you say, hi, my name is Aaron. Only use your name, not mine, because that would be weird. And they'll tell you their name. It's fantastic. It's amazing. So hospitality is a culture. It's, an, it's a thing in the air. And I think we have it here. So let's continue. to. That's a door through which we can walk. See, Jesus says, I have opened a door for you that no one can shut. That is a real opportunity. Are we looking for open doors? What kinds of other open doors are there that have to do with the things of the kingdom? Think about it. So what's next? Here's the deal. Things weren't all just awesome for the people in Philadelphia. Like, for Jesus' people, life in Philadelphia was was really, it was really hard. It, it wasn't easy. Just like all the other cities that we've talked about in Asia Minor, Philadelphia was filled with all kinds of temples and religious ceremonies dedicated to foreign gods, not unlike this world that we live in. I mean, we live in, in a lot of ways, our world is, is not much different than the ancient world. We too have gods and goddesses running around. We're just too, we're too smart and sophisticated to call them gods and goddesses. But remember the goddess Athena, the god of wisdom and war and taking things by force and violence? Remember, remember when we talked a few weeks ago about that god? Athena is still here, and we still sacrifice our children in worship. To her. It's not any different than it was back then. Like we still see it happening today. So in their world, it was filled with all of these religious ceremonies to, to the worship of other foreign gods. And in fact, Philadelphia was super religious because it was given the name the Little, little Athens. And beyond that, there was a significant portion of Jews living in, in Philadelphia. And Jews at the time were exempt from participating in all of these religious ceremonies. They were given an actual certificate of exemption. They didn't have to to be involved in all these religious ceremonies. We talked about this back when we talked about Sardis. So they were exempt. Well, apparently, there was probably a little tiny pocket, a little vocal loud minority. We don't know anything about these kinds of people, but a little small vocal, loud minority of Jewish people who didn't think that Christians were real Jews. So they would sort of talk to the civic leaders and authorities and say, those people aren't Jews. So the Christians would no longer be able to get these, these certificates of exemption. So when you go to do business and you didn't, you didn't participate in the religious ceremonies, you would be ostracized. Your business would be shut down. You could be beaten. You could be thrown in jail or worse, you could be killed. You could be hung on a cross for these sorts of things. So life is hard, back to the letter. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have a little strength, yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. 
I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come down and fall at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. So Jesus says to them, I have opened a door for you. And I want you to walk through it. But I know that it's hard. I know that you're getting opposition. I know that you're risking everything for me. I know it's hard. Friends, Jesus opens doors for us, but Jesus recognizes that it's hard. And it is, right? It is. It's hard. Think of the things of the kingdom we're invited into. Think about it. It's hard to ask for forgiveness. Because first you have to admit you were wrong, which we're not very good at. But if you ask for forgiveness, you might not get it. It's hard, it's risky to work towards reconciliation of a broken relationship because it might not happen. You might get rejected again. It's hard to risk grace because it might not be received and accepted. Humble service, self-sacrifice, welcoming the marginalized, all of those things are really, really hard because they take a a complete reorientation of all of our priorities, and we might not move up in the world. We might just be seen as weird or different or weak or dangerous or caving to culture or you name it. We'll be called all sorts of different names. Jesus says, I know it's hard. I know it. I see it. I know you have little strength. But there's more. So the city of Philadelphia experienced a lot of earthquakes and tremors. So the ground was literally shifting under their feet. Do you ever feel like the ground under our feet culturally right now is just shifting all the time? And we're like, we don't know how to balance any of this stuff. So the ground was literally shifting under their feet. And these earthquakes and these tremors happened so often that people would often sleep outside of the city so that the buildings and homes and pillars of their temples wouldn't fall on them and crush them. When, when earthquakes happened in the middle of the day, people would flee the city. They would run out so that the temples and pillars and homes wouldn't fall on them and crush them. Philadelphia was destroyed a couple of times by earthquakes, and each time it was destroyed and rebuilt, it was given a new name. Neo-Caesarea, Flavia, Philadelphia. So they literally didn't know who they were. Which is it? Back to the letter. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown You want to know who you are? You belong to the king. You. Oh, you're royalty. You belong to the king. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them. You want to know who you are? I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven 
from my God, I will also write on them my new name. You want to know who you are? You are royalty. You belong to the king. You will be a strong pillar. You will never again have to run out of the city in fear. You know who you are. You bear my name and I got your back. That's what I hear Jesus saying. I hear Jesus saying, I have opened a door for you through which you are invited to walk, to make this world more like God's kingdom. Walk through it. I know it's hard. I know you have little strength, but you can do it. You can do it. You can be a lampstand. You can shine my light. You can help me birth something new in this world. You can do it. You can do it, Jesus says. It's all encouragement. This is so good. You know, oftentimes we want our faith to be more like an epidural. That's what we feel. We want this. We want new life. We want to be transformed. We want to be changed into better human beings. We want to help birth something new into this world, but we don't want any of the pain. We don't want to feel that pain. It's no. So we want our faith to be like an epidural. We want our faith to take away the pain that comes along with new life and change and transformation. But in reality, our faith is more like believing God is more like a midwife who doesn't take away the pain, but she comes alongside of us and she wipes the sweat off our forehead and she says, you got this. You can do it. You are strong enough. You were built for this. Give birth to new life. You got it. Some say our faith is more like a crutch like to make life easier for us. It has a total mischaracterization of what our faith ought to be about. Our faith isn't isn't like a crutch because it doesn't make life easier. In fact, in a lot of ways, our faith makes things harder, life harder, much harder. Our faith isn't about a crutch. Our faith is about a cross. That's what it's about. But we also know it's worth it. It's worth it because we know that on the other side of the cross, there's what? Three days later, he rose again. Because we know that on the other side of the cross, there's resurrection. We know that on the other side of pain and self-sacrificing love, there's new life. Something new is born. Friends, Jesus is standing before you and before us today, and Jesus is saying, I've opened some doors for you. I've opened some doors for you. I want you to walk through and help make the world more like, more like my kingdom. You have some really great opportunities to make a, a really real difference in the lives of real people. Will you walk through those doors? I know it's hard. I know it. But listen, I wouldn't have opened those doors for you if I didn't believe in you. You can do it. You can do it. Will we? Will you? Let's pray.